Welcome to the Internet Advisor Podcast. I'm your host and producer, Foster Brown. Along with my co-host, Gary Baker, and our team of experts, we've been helping people like you since 1998 with your computer problems, introducing you to valuable resources, and promoting tech enterprise throughout Michigan. The Internet Advisor is a two-hour podcast recorded every week at the studios of historic WJR Radio in Detroit. Both hours of the show are available each week on this podcast and are streamed to our affiliates across the state of Michigan. We're also proud to be part of Detroit's newest and fastest-growing podcast network, PodcastDetroit.com. And now, here are your hosts with this week's Internet Advisor. back to the Internet Advisor. Once again, your hosts, Foster Brown, Gary Baker, and Ed Rudell. Welcome to 2017. This is the first program of the Internet Advisor that we are airing during this brand new year. Uh, our last program was uh, predictions about what's going to happen in uh, 2017 and some of those things are starting to unfold right now with some big events that have been going on. The Consumer Electronics Show will officially open uh, this coming week, but uh, has already actually for the press and has been going on. And another really big show in this area is, of course, the North American International Auto Show, which will the press days begin on January the 9th, I believe. Yeah, coming up this week. That's right. Week. Yep. Gary Baker, Ed Rudell, Cal Carson at Studio Guys. You ready to start a brand new year? All set? <sighs> Got your prediction? I'm still recovering from the Christmas and New Year's uh, snacks and <laughs> other things. I'm ready. This is exciting. Yeah. It's a good year. Well, uh, Other think, than the cold weather. I other think we ought to inaugurate it in, in style here with somebody who is uh, very important to our state of Michigan. And on our live line right now, we have with us State Senator Gary Peters. And Senator, welcome to the Internet Advisor. Well, it's great uh, to be with all of you. Happy New Year to you. Thank you so much. Uh, you have been a busy man, I know. Uh, uh, has Have you already started in on the uh, press conferences, et cetera, with the two big events that are going on, CES and the North American International Auto Show, getting all the schedules together? Yeah, putting all that together. Obviously, uh, very excited about the uh, the auto show coming in. So uh, I'll be there on uh, Monday morning. I uh, got in from Washington. I've been here this weekend. And we'll fly back to Washington, D.C. on uh, Monday uh, afternoon. But in the morning, we'll be there for some of the unveilings and press events uh, with a number of the auto companies. So it's, uh, it's great to be able to showcase the incredible products uh, coming out of out of uh, Detroit area. Well, you know, we thank you for uh, your support of the auto industry. It is obviously important to all of us here in the state of Michigan, but you're a big supporter of autonomous vehicle testing and trying to make Michigan a center for that too, right? Well, I am. I'm very focused on, on that. And uh, the whole uh, the whole move towards self-driving vehicles, as you know, is probably some of the most transformative technology and disruptive technology for the auto industry. And I say it's probably the most significant new technology since the first car came off of the assembly line with Henry Ford. I mean, it's uh, that big. Uh, it'll transform how we uh, think about mobility and getting from point A to point B. And I just want to make sure that continues uh, to be in Michigan. We certainly build great cars. We've got great engineering and test tracks here. But we have significant competition from Silicon Valley in mm -hmm. California. The computer folks out there think they can do it. Uh, we're going to make sure that that all uh, happens uh, right here uh, in Michigan, that we continue to be the center of the auto industry, not only building uh, the automobiles and the mechanical functions of them, but also the computer-generated uh, uh, 
uh, systems uh, that will be necessary to have right. self-driving vehicles. Well, and there's a couple uh, facilities that um, are really kind of geared toward doing this. M-City in Ann Arbor, part of uh, right. U of M North Campus. And then um, you're involved with the American Center for Mobility, ACM, right? Oh, that's correct. So that's uh, that's our main focus uh, right now. The M City, as you mentioned, is a is a world class test facility on the North Campus area, University of Michigan, about thirty or so acres, uh, fully subscribed, uh, getting lots of activity. But really, long term, we need to have a larger test facility, and that's uh, what the uh, Mobility mm-hmm. Center outside of or it's Atlantic, basically at the Willow Run facility represents. It's about 350 acres. Mm-hmm. We're in the process right now. I've been pushing it pretty aggressively for it to be designated as the national testing facility uh, for self-driving you know, autonomous uh, vehicles. It's in competition right now. We're hoping to find the winners uh, out before the president uh, leaves and the new president gets sworn in. And uh, we certainly believe we've got a great application. And if that is designated as the, the principal national testing facility for these vehicles that will help ensure that uh, the Detroit area and Michigan in particular will be the center because everybody's going to want to be around the oh, yeah. national testing facility. Absolutely. Well, and I that, know. and that's national, but you know, when you think about what Singapore is doing, because they're, they're actually testing their autonomous vehicles right within the 26 square miles of the, of the city <laughs> state. And Pittsburgh is doing that within four square miles down downtown Pittsburgh with, uh, some autonomous, well, I guess they're not completely driverless, but uh, they have uh, some uh, Uber testing going on there, right? So are we right. Are we trying to wait for legislation, and, and is that putting us behind because we're not making decisions fast enough? Well, we, we, there's already state legislation. In fact, the state legislation that has passed is probably some of the most uh, forward-thinking of any state, so we are doing that at the, the state level. But you're right, uh, the testing also has to be on regular streets and, and throughout right. uh, metropolitan areas, and that'll be in the city of Detroit as well as our network of highways. But a lot of the testing is also done in a controlled environment, which Willow Run would uh, represent. Uh, so a lot of the mm-hmm. validation studies are done on a controlled uh, track, uh, but then they send those vehicles out onto the, the roadway to test in the, in the real-world situation. So uh, no, no, we do not have a national facility now. A lot of uh, the regulations, federal regulations, are in the process of being developed right now. I'm intimately involved in that as a member of the Commerce Committee uh, that oversees uh, the auto industry. Uh, there have been some frameworks that have been put out by NHTSA, the folks who are concerned about federal right. auto safety. Mm-hmm. And as that uh, evolves, uh, those policies evolve, there needs to be a, a place for that to happen, and that's why I want to make sure it's here at Michigan. All right, Senator what, Gary Peters, by the way, is our guest right now. With the changing environment, uh, Senator Peters, in Washington, uh, with the new uh, administration coming in, do you see a difference in the amount of time to... Uh, get autonomous vehicles out onto the road based upon the climate of legislation? Well, I, I'm hoping uh, we'll be able to work in a, in a bipartisan way. You know, I've, uh, I work with a Republican colleague out of, my, of mine out of uh, Colorado. We've created a Smart Transportation Caucus, uh, which mm. deals with these kinds of issues. Uh, we've uh, brought in uh, automakers to, to highlight some of their technologies for the Commerce Committee. Member of my, a number of my colleagues got a chance uh, to ride in vehicles like I did uh, in Washington. Senator Peters, hang on a second. We're going to be back to finish that thought with you in just a moment. 
Welcome back. It's the Internet Advisor, and we're delighted to have with us as uh, first guest of the brand new year, Senator Gary Peters from Michigan. And we're talking with him about uh, the efforts to focus attention in our area on the development of some of these mobile technologies that are coming out and to gather it together at the American Center for Mobility, which is proposed for Willow Run Airport. Again, Senator, thank you so much for being with us. I understand, Senator. Great, great to be with you. I understand that uh, uh, earlier on this fall, you had urged the Obama administration to open a competition to designate national testing facilities for technology. How is that going? Well, we're in the, you're right. Uh, we pushed it uh, pretty aggressively. Uh, one, we're facing stiff competition from uh, Asians and Europeans and need uh, to be at the forefront of this. Uh, we wanted to push this competition. It is uh, happening now, and we're hoping to get the results and the announcements uh, before President Obama leaves office. And it was important for us to do it quickly because we didn't want to have any change in administration just slowing down the process uh, as you have new people coming in. Then we'll get caught in any kind of lame duck uh, uh, machine. Cal, you had asked a question about um, uh, the uh, new administration coming in. And I'm just going to say kind of tongue-in-cheek that it's interesting that you have been able to accomplish a bipartisan kind of a move (laughs) at a time when the whole political process seems to be pretty fractured. So this may be something that people will be glad on both sides of the aisles to gather around. Well, I'm certainly hoping so. You know, I, I always uh, work on a bipartisan way. I think we always have better policy when both Democrats and Republicans work together. And that's why I've been working uh, with my Republican colleagues uh, to do this in a bipartisan way and bring people together. And I think everybody realizes this is the future of the auto industry. And we've got to make sure that the United States continues to be the leader in the auto industry. And who, who is there first with great products will have a significant competitive yes. advantage. Well, you know, when you think about you know, testing these autonomous vehicles, you have to test them in all types of environments. And Senator, I was reading um, some information on your website, uh, and I only—I don't know how you did it, but you put a great spin on it. You said that in competition with California, we have one more advantage over California. We have snow and ice. <laughs> and we're proud of it, too. <laughs> there are some days I might agree with you, some days like today when it's so cold. <laughs> Single word, uh, right. winter. Uh, yeah. I thought, okay, you know, you have to be really good to call that an advantage. But it is. What, it really is when you think about it because, you know, autonomous vehicles, just like all vehicles, absolutely have to work in every kind of environment. So. Yeah, and hopefully we've got that environments here where twenty all year round we get everything that comes under the sun. <laughs> the Just, only thing is in earthquakes we haven't gotten quite quite the advantage that California has. <laughs> well, I don't think I don't think they have to autonomously know how to fall into a hole. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that brings up the other thing: road salt. I mean, what what's oh, that going to do go. to not only the the lidar but all the electronic uh, computers and connections? And we've got the laboratory and conditions that are great and perfect for testing mm-hmm. these vehicles, and yep. we should have them right here. Now, Senator Peters, is there any Anything in particular that's going to be going on as the press days open up on your part, as the press days open up for uh, the North American International Auto Show this coming week? Well, I think the exciting thing about it is there's going to be even more discussion about uh, these autonomous vehicles, self-driving vehicles, and there's going to be discussions about some of the exciting technology that's coming online. People are going to see that. Uh, certainly, this is on the heels of Ford Motor Company's announcement that they're going to be having their first production car by 2021, but there's mm. going to be an awful lot happening before that. Yeah. And in addition to that, there'll be a lot of discussion about some of the public policy necessary. You know, the, the thing is, the technology is going so quickly, so rapidly, exponentially, yes. you could argue, 
And unfortunately, public policy does not work that fast, as all of us know. So we have to make sure we're talking about that now and pushing it as quickly as possible to keep up with this technology so we can get these vehicles on the road. And as you know, the one of the major advantages of this technology is that will likely eliminate most uh, traffic accidents and most fatalities mm-hmm. on our highways, which is a big deal when you consider nearly 40,000 people die on our highways every year. This is uh, these wow. are life-saving yes. technology. Huge. Well, well, being involved with the technology, Senator Peters, as you are, uh, what is it that makes public policy go so slow, but yet the technology can go fast? Is there something we have to start thinking differently on how we handle public policy to make this work better? Well, we do, and and, and that's a broader discussion, not just uh, with these vehicles, but when you're looking at new technology-related artificial intelligence and and CRISPR technology and biotech, mm. you know, the, the regulatory process uh, is not designed uh, to move slow or fast. It's moved. It's designed to move slowly, get all sorts of input uh, and a lot of due process. So we know technology doesn't have those kinds of constraints. So it's a, a new framework we have to develop, and I think uh, we're, I'm working on that, and as we develop that for autonomous vehicles, it will have applications across the board to having regulation that's more nimble and works uh, in a way that actually fosters innovation as opposed to stifling it. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, what uh, hats off to you for establishing the Bipartisan Smart Transportation Caucus. I like it. One of the things I like about it is it's designed to help educate your colleagues about the importance of the technologies. And that's been a problem with technology, I think, in general in the past, is a lot of legislators, reasonably enough, are not technologists themselves, and often are called to make legislative decisions in areas that they don't really have a lot of good basic information. Well, that's right, and that's why it's important to expose uh, folks to this, to see, to see the benefits, and that's why we had a hearing in the Commerce Committee, uh, had a number of these uh, vehicles uh, come into town. I was uh, in one that drove up uh, Constitution Avenue, which is between the, the U.S. Capitol and the Senate yeah. office buildings, and the automobile uh, drove up the road on itself. It stopped at a red light on its own, and started up when it turned green on its own, and a lot of my colleagues had that opportunity, and uh, it certainly opened a lot of eyes. It sounds like... Have you found any particular other people who are your, are becoming your allies in this kind of a, a bipartisan effort? Well, yeah, it is. It's a growing uh, group in the caucus. Uh, folks uh, realize uh, what this is going to mean uh, for our country and, and the competitiveness uh, uh, that we have to have and foster in order to compete with some foreign competition. So, you know, there are folks uh, that are concerned about safety aspects, and they don't want the technology to be out too quick until it's proven. So we've got to make sure we're winning those folks over. But certainly the industry understands that public acceptance of uh, self-driving vehicles uh, may be a challenge. It's certainly very different than what people are used to, which means we got to get it right, right out of the box. Uh, the margin of error is uh, very slim because if you mm. have... Uh, a bad accident, uh, the yep. public uh, blowback could be pretty significant. So right. uh, we've got to do it right and and make sure that we're uh, you know dotting the i's and crossing the t's. Uh, but at the same time, we don't want to stifle the innovation. Senator Peters, are there any groups out there pushing back against autonomous cars currently? Well, some of the uh, safety groups are just raising questions. I wouldn't categorize it as uh, pushing back at this point, uh, but they are raising questions and they want to make sure there's a a framework, uh, a safety framework in place uh, to protect the public. And certainly that's, uh, you know, that's uh, uh, something we all are concerned about, and the industry is concerned about for the reasons I mentioned. People don't want to have accidents that get people turned off to this technology, particularly when we're right. 
at the point where it's ready to take off. That's right. And when I <laughs> when I drive down the highway and I see so many distracted drivers, um, mm. I just can't wait for autonomous vehicles. I think we're going to be so much safer. Well, there's no question. Distracted drivers, and you, and you think of uh, folks, uh, the elderly, for example. This is yeah. going to be incredibly liberating for many people who find it difficult to drive their own car now. You know, we... Um, we all heard about what happened with the the Tesla that uh, didn't see a white-sided uh, truck, semi, and uh, there was an accident and a fatality. What nobody talked about was the next week when a gentleman was having a heart attack and the tes- his Tesla drove him to the hospital and saved his life. Um, it, you know, it's amazing what we choose to focus on and what we don't. And and I hope we do focus on the right things. And and I was so pleased to uh, see that you spoke recently at Automation Alley. Oh yeah, that's because right, yeah. it's not just the big auto manufacturers that you're working with. You're you're really trying to involve some of the smaller and medium sized businesses uh, because there's a lot of business to go around. Well, there is. Uh, and uh, just like the auto industry now, you know, it's all the auto suppliers really drive uh, the industry. It's where most of the innovation occurs. The same thing is going to happen uh, with self-driving vehicles. It's going to be the entrepreneurship of right. smaller businesses and suppliers that are going to drive this. That's uh, that's the key is to get them involved. And, uh, and the OEMs know that they're... Well, They're uh, stronger with a strong supply base. Thank you so much for encouraging that. Senator Gary Peters, thank you for being with us here on the Internet Advisor. Welcome. It's the Internet Advisor starting off the year 2017 in style here with uh, State Senator Gary Peters. Uh, I wonder, you know what's interesting to me, guys? Uh, kind of a question I have is other states have kind of jumped ahead and taken the, the chance, like uh, the state of, was it Nevada, isn't, I think, is? No, Arizona. Well, Nevada is also. And b- both of them, I think, have taken uh, the jump ahead of saying, okay, we're going to get into this. they got wide open spaces they can use, you know, on the desert. You're going to oh, maybe hit a jackrabbit. For what? Or for wireless? For driving or for driverless autonomous vehicles. vehicles. Oh, okay. Yes. I just wondering where you had. Well, you know, <laughs> running over a cactus is not going to be that big of a deal. You know? <laughs> or a jackrabbit if you can catch up to it. The, the, the worst thing that could happen to you with an autonomous vehicle out in an area like that is the thing just dead stops on you. You're sitting in the middle of nowhere <laughs> yeah. with a, a vehicle that you can't open the door and you're roasting your rear end off. Bro- broken down in the middle of the desert is not fun. No. Not, but that's in any vehicle. That's yeah, in any that's, vehicle. Yeah, that's true. What do you think are some of the, are the things that hinder us from moving forward here in the state of Michigan to maybe jump in and, and embrace this a little more broadly? I'm not sure that it's inhibit, inhibiting us right now at all because yeah. um, I, although we do not have the same kind of on-road testing that right. other places have. You know, Pittsburgh, you know, you can run around a four-square-mile area right downtown. And in Pittsburgh, it's so interesting that Uber picked that. Um, city because they have roads that drive right over the top of roads. Yeah, right? my understanding, I've... I've so I've, you not only have to know, you know, the... There's a lot of hills in Pittsburgh, too, is there? Well, there is, but not downtown as much, <coughs> right? Because it's uh, at the corner of Three Rivers. Oh, gotcha, but, okay. Um, but there, as you go, you can go underneath a bridge and follow right along underneath another road. It's very similar to, say, the Bay New Bridge York. New York does the same Westside thing. Highway and things like the that. The Bay Bridge out in uh, um, San, San Francisco, Francisco does yeah. that. So there's a lot of them are like that. So how do, I don't know how that works. I'd love to talk to them to find out how did they have an altitude 
an altimeter like a plane. I don't, I don't know. But, but they do so that. You're, so. you're on the upper level, not on the lower level. That's interesting. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm more on the, the side of caution. I'm in no hurry to get them out there. I like to have things fully tested. I like them to be able to do it as much as they possibly can in controlled environments and then slowly uh, bring them out into the open. Yeah, but you might think differently. That? You might think differently if you had a relative that was one of the um, people that died on our highways every year because mm. of mistakes that oh, drivers. There have been some, like the people driving the wrong way in I seventy five recently. I mean, just oh, that, that would just never happen awful. with autonomous no. vehicles. Just, right. and well, that's so if many, everyone drove and, you an know, autonomous and, vehicle. And the hard part will be that's when true. you get half of the vehicles are autonomous mm-hmm. and the other half. Yeah, aren't. Ed's, Ed's point brought up. Yeah. What happens right. when you have mixed use in there? You've got some autonomous, some not autonomous. That, Are you that, going to have to create those those HOV well, lanes? Even more well, the like reason for not rushing the technology. No, every every, I, every no. time we rush technology, we get into trouble. We rush technology with, with the Challenger accident. Look, we got to launch. We got to launch. No, that was no, the lowest bidder. It was cold. That was the lowest bidder. No, no, that was that was a rush to get. get I that, just wouldn't want to have one of my relatives die on. Um, on, in a car accident for with non-autonomous vehicles um, and be one of the last to have that happen. I still, right? I guess I because would... Because when everybody else is, has autonomous vehicles and a couple people don't and they crash into somebody because of user error, which most of the time that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Well, most there, of the time. Most of the accidents, certainly the fatalities... If I felt that way, Gary, I'd, I'd, I'd be like closing liquor stores down all over the place. Well, there's there's four things that I see that uh, people will resist. The cost, uh, we don't know what that's going to be. People don't like change natively, right? right, right. People don't like to being told what to do. That's true. Right? And and the and the fourth one slipped my mind, so I can't <laughs> well, remember. And I think Which is the reason why we need a Thomas vehicle now, because he, he's not going to know how to drive home. <laughs> so I think... I think what's happens is right now. Yes. Um, we certainly people in our generation say I like to drive. Yes, right? we That's do. That's true. Yeah. That's um, true. That's and true. They like when you talk to my kids, Lauren would love to give up her car. If she had a way to to get around without having her car, mm-hmm. she'd give it up in a heartbeat. I so, and Justin wouldn't wouldn't want a car. So when you're talking to to the younger generation, you're right. and I'll tell you what, um, it'd be nice. We're we're all going to change our tune in about fifteen to twenty years. Yeah, probably. Right, mm. and because we're going to be at that age when we're we don't have a driver's license anymore, but we still want to go to the store. Or even right? I, I we want to go to the doctor. We want to go out. Why wouldn't you have a driver's license anymore? If you're capable of driving, you can continue to drive. Yeah, but they shouldn't. Some people, yeah, some people shouldn't. At that, the yeah. reflexes have, have changed so much at that point. As long as we have a choice for now, in the immediate that's a good point. In the twenty years, point. as long as we, we still have a choice. One of those, one of the things that I, that I liked about the whole Pittsburgh uh, model that you brought, Gary, is that it's been limited to a certain area, so that people can uh, feel safe that within this limited area, these vehicles are being tested out, and I still have the freedom to drive wherever I want and however I want outside of it. And then, then, then you can watch how well or poorly it, it, it works, but I think probably how well it works. One of the big issues for me about this is the whole issue of public transportation. And I think that maybe we're just going to have to die off our generation <laughs> until people like this younger generation says, that's nonsense. Yes. It's nonsense. You know, this most recent vote that came up in November just infuriated me where 
the um, uh, some of the incentives or the the programs for uh, expanding public transportation in in southeast Michigan was defeated once again. Yes, in this case, I think it was by one county. And that was Macomb, right? It was Macomb County, and the rest of them were ready to say, "Let's do it. Let's let's get together." It. You know, well, this isn't part- autonomous vehicles. This is just let bus systems through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, part of what Macomb, I think, if I remember right, the way it was going, they were getting the least amount of this change was going to affect them, and they didn't want to pay the full price that everybody else was paying at the same time. But I totally agree with you. Public transportation in this country especially is shot, and they really, really need to enhance it better than what it is. What's it going to take to make that happen? Because it's going to take more than just autonomous vehicles. (laughs) Because public... How do you pay for autonomous vehicles? Well, but I I think actually that makes so much sense, is to start really looking at how you mix the mode of transportation. If I could drive um, an autonomous vehicle, call it, Pick it up, have me picked up at my house, taken to the terminal where I could take a long haul bus into Detroit, be picked up from the bus station and brought to the the Fisher Building here, um, and have that all work seamlessly. Now you're talking, right? Yeah. And and if I, it, it would be so much cheaper to get on that bus. Now I could choose to take that autonomous vehicle all the way here, but it would be more expensive. Some people will do that. It's about choice. Some people will do it. Some people won't. Some people say, I can take the bus. It's so easy, and it's cheaper. And and you need the ability to mix the mode of transportation to get somewhere. And right now, buses take us from point A to point B. But if you don't happen to, to be in point A to catch the bus, and you don't happen to be at point B where you want where the bus stops, and you have to go somewhere else. What are you going to do? Now you got your only. You, you could maybe, maybe um, put your bike rack on in front yeah, of the bus, right, right. right? And one or bike on. One in of the some bike cities, racks. that's working. Or you have to call a taxi or an Uber now. Well, so not, that you, makes know, you a, mentioned Uber makes it a little bit better than calling a taxi. But you know, I've noticed a trend that we're actually going back to the olden days because back in the olden days, when we used to depend a lot on public transit. Getting from point A to point B was fine because guess what? We lived near point A and point yes, B. Yes. And with this new upsurgence of young folks coming back into downtown, this that's Woodward a very good corridor, point. Yeah. that's where the Q line makes sense. So you walk two blocks to get to point A and then ride to point B. So I, I think it's because we changed the way we lived, because we expanded out into the suburban type you know, uh, architecture, that created that type of situation. But as we cluster back together, then the point A to point B works. But we're not going to always go all the way back to that clustering. And what you're saying, yeah. Gary, does make sense. One of you was saying, uh, was maybe Ed, you asked about uh, who's going to pay for this. You know, I said it. Are you, who's going to pay yeah. for it? And I think in the cases you have Uber and Lyft and some of these other companies who are willing to invest in those vehicles in order to gain the benefit of the fares that they have. And that makes it very easy then to move back and forth when you get off either point A or point B. Then you can move around much more simply. But then the question comes up, is the fare for the Uber or the autonomous thing in line or low enough in relation to public transit. Public transit, you get on for two bucks, you go somewhere. Right. With these other ones, you're talking six, seven, eight, ten dollars to go a, a short distance. You know, is that economically feasible for the masses? If it isn't, it won't succeed. It has to come to the place where it's economically feasible. Right. And I have I have to to travel about two and a half, almost three miles, to get to the bus station in Ann Arbor. 
Um, if I had an easy way to do that, especially in the winter, that would be wonderful. I would take the train um, all the way in, but it drops me off right here, two blocks from the Fisher Building. But if I need to go downtown, I didn't have a way downtown. Yeah. Now I have the queue line. Now so we're, gonna, we're starting yeah. to mix and match and start, yeah, starting to make some sense. Got to connect those points. Well, folks, just part of the discussion, an ongoing one and a big one that will be coming up soon at the North American International Auto Show. It's that time of our program to welcome Mr. Mike Brennan, fresh from the Sunshine State. I think it's Florida's Sunshine State. Anyway, he's back it is. here. Yep. He's back here with a little bit of a tan and some sand in various parts of his anatomy, or I should say, in his clothing. <laughs> Mike Brennan, editor of Internet and pardon me, of the My, My Tech News. Thank <laughs> you so much. I'm sorry, I'm getting befuddled here. Various parts of his anatomy. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> I saw that picture of you in the hot tub there at the pool. I thought, oh boy, this guy's getting into it. Yeah, no sand there, I guarantee it. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back, Mike. It's good to have you here. Oh, thanks. Yeah, uh, I left. Funny thing, I got on the plane at West Palm Beach. It was 78 when I landed last night at Detroit. It was 12. Yeah, I was just going to seven or eight. Come on. (laughs) You went from 78 to seven or eight. (laughs) Degrees. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, there was no easy transition there. By the way, Mike uh, is the editor, as I said, of MI Tech News and uh, My Tech News, and it really becomes your tech news throughout the year if you simply go to MITechnews.com and subscribe. That's all it takes. And then the, twice a week, you're going to get some information from him, both on Wednesdays with video feeds and audio feeds, and then on Fridays, you'll have the headlines like the ones we're going to talk about with uh, Mike today, but it's a great source that so we introduced this past year, and Mike, we've been partnering with you now for, well, I think it's been over a year now that we've been partnering. Uh, actually, oh, way more than that. It's almost two yeah. years. Wow. Wow. Time flies when you're having fun. Well, Mike, and you've expanded, we'll talk a little bit about this, your own outreach. It's not just uh, kind of the print news that you've been involved with for many years, but it's going to be uh, video and audio resources as well, and we'll get to that in just a moment. Let's talk about some of the headlines that you got coming up. And uh, one that I found interesting is that Kettering University is going to be partnering with Ford Motor Company to launch Flint School Summer STEM Camp. Ford's getting involved in the whole education process out there. Yeah, $32,000 grant. Thank you, Ford. Uh, out of their STEAM fund, and uh, the STEM is turning into STEAM because they've added arts, so it's science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. But anyway, uh, what that money is going to be used for is to put 20 of these students, uh, young people, uh, it, plugging them, as it were, into electric vehicles. That's going to be their focus. Oh, it's, really? Uh, yeah, grades 9 through 12. So we're going to be working on what it takes to make electric vehicles. So, really good idea. Now, when you said they're being plugged into electric yeah. vehicles, uh, is this the kind of humor that we're going to see in my tech this news? Is it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, I just want just asking. I was I'm fresh from vacation, so you know I'm full of something right now. I don't know what. <laughs> well, another headline coming out of this is, uh, and this also has to go uh, goes along with Ford. Uh, Ford's Go Detroit Challenge competition is uh, out to build apps to help. Detroit, and it looks like this is going to be kind of tying into a conversation we were having just a few minutes ago. Yeah, uh, it's, it's just exactly that. It's it's kind of a wide-open kind of thing. Uh, if you can come up with uh, ways to uh, travel safely or officially, the school, work, health care, play, etc., 
it's it's wide open. Uh, there's money involved. Uh, just, and you've got a whole month to sign up. So anybody that's developing apps that wants to do something that it's going to get high visibility in Detroit, uh, this would be something to take a serious look at. Hey, Mike, I see that Stryker Instrument is uh, going to be doing some more investment in Michigan uh, to create some more jobs. Can you tell a little bit more about that? Uh, well, yeah, they're investing some money uh, in the Kalamazoo area, and uh, they're going to be uh, uh, pulling in some more jobs. I got that from Southwest Michigan first. Uh, and uh, I don't I don't have the story right in front of me, so I can't tell you the exact number of jobs. But that came out just before the end of the year, uh, and uh, they're going to be expanding their facilities. Uh, that's, those are all fine things because medical devices are, are very hot right now, and of course, Stryker is the king of medical devices, right? So uh, mm-hmm. good news in, in Southwest Michigan. Yeah, it looks like they're going to have 105 new jobs coming from that. So that that should be bring a lot of high tech uh, interest in that particular area as well. Correct. Yeah, but uh, you know that's uh, th- that's a big pharma area already. Uh, yeah, it's always right. been big, and uh, and and then then Stryker, of course, is the ones. Well, it's John Brown that's behind the you know the Kalamazoo Promise down there. Him and his other folks down there doing that. So I mean, they're really doing wonderful things. They're returning money to the community, and and uh, and, and uh, they're doing great guns right now. I mean, uh, Stryker's a very big company doing wonderful things in Michigan, so we should be very happy about that. Hey, Mike, let me uh, step back for a minute to that Ford uh, Go Detroit Challenge competition. Do I understand that that's something anybody can get involved in? Uh, yeah, yeah. You, uh, in fact, uh, that came from my friends at the Mobile. Te- uh, Mich- I always get this wrong. Mobile Technology Association of Michigan. Oh, MTEM, right? Acronyms. Yeah. And uh, Linda Dation there, uh, and uh, we have the the uh, podcast interview there. You can listen, get all the details by going to mitechnews.com. Ah, excellent! Is that was that part of the um, the M squared uh, TechCast as well? Well, that's they do. We all, we work well. We work with a lot of different groups, uh, and that's just one of them that we work with. We're on the Wednesday newsletter when we feature the podcast. Oh, yes. Okay, they're one of our featured partners, along with you guys, of course. Mm-hmm. You guys, we pick up your podcast. We also do them from uh, IT and the D. Uh, you know, a number of different partners in that. Uh, we do them with uh, uh, with the Michigan Small Business and Development Center now. Uh, you know, we have a whole group of different companies we're working with more closely, and we're getting ready to announce uh, that we're going to be working uh, with uh, the Oakland County group up there uh, that, uh, that's that been around for a couple of years, and they're going to be joining us as well this year, uh, and so we'll be able to find out more what's happening in Oakland County technology. And lots going on around the state. And by the way, folks, that's the benefit of being involved with M- MI Tech News. And uh, you can do that very simply, as I said before, by going to mitechnews.com or internetadvisor.net. And uh, you will find that you simply put your email address in there. And uh, free for nothing, you get all this information. And as Mike has been saying, it's not just information, for instance, as we talked about uh, Kettering University and the work that they're doing with Ford or about the Grand Rapids competition. But you'll also be getting things like video resources and audio uh, for instance, like our program, you can pick up our podcast there, as well as IT and the D and many other kind of things, including M Squared TechCast. And Mike, talk a little bit about that very quickly for our audience, it's for those folks who may not be familiar with it. Yeah, well, Matt Roush and I uh, used to be competitors, and now uh, we're working together between the two of us. We've covered technology in Michigan for more than 40 years. I was only 10 when I started, Matt was a little <laughs> older. Uh, but... Uh, 
So, uh, but we uh, we would get we uh, Foster Edison, so uh, he, he's pretty familiar with what we're doing. But uh, what we have is different guests on. They're on for a segment that lasts ten, twelve minutes, and uh, a whole variety of things. We try to make it as newsy yep. as we can with whatever the hot things are going on right now. But then we also rely on again we rely on some of these groups uh, that know their organizations and what's happening a whole mm-hmm. lot better than we do. And so we featured them where, uh, you know, we have the Inforum segment on there for what's happening in women in technology. We have uh, Keith Brophy comes on every month. Uh, he's the state director of the Michigan Small Business Development Center, and he interviews some folks. And so we're broadening that out uh, and, and uh, trying to mix that up and uh, make sure that it's, it's a blend of hot news and trends and thoughts and mm-hmm. try to keep everybody current with, with what's happening around the state and there's it's all i can do to you know i'm running as fast as they can (laughs) things so it's nice to have the help right well mike thank you very much for being with us on a regular basis and every week you hear mike here talking about some of the headlines that he's posting with mi tech news and again folks very simple go to mitechnews.com or to internetadvisor.net and sign up for the all this great information free and keep up with technology in the state of michigan mike good to have you back Enjoy the cold weather. <laughs> yeah, cold weather. Yeah. Oh, boy. Take okay. care, Mike. We'll see you the coming week. Mr. Right, Mr. Dr. Mike Dr. Brennan, the editor of MI Tech News. Well, folks, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back after that, we're going to be talking with Paul Eisenstein, who is the editor of the Detroit Bureau. He's been coming, he's coming back from the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, hot with information about that, and also looking ahead to the really big show in Detroit, and that's the North American International Auto Show. All that coming up in the second hour of the Internet Advisor. You're listening to a podcast of the Internet Advisor Show. To see the show notes for this program, visit our homepage, theinternetadvisor.net. You'll discover past podcasts, our free toolkit with software to clean up your computer and keep it running strong, and many other resources. You'll also find links to mitechnews.com, our co-sponsored weekly tech and entrepreneur newsletter, edited by Mike Brennan. If you have a question for our hosts, just click the contact button on the homepage and send us an email with the details. And don't forget to look for us on Facebook and Twitter and at Detroit's newest podcast network, podcastdetroit.com. Now, let's get back to the second hour of the Internet Advisor. Hello, Foster Brown with you, the co-host and producer of the program. Delighted to have you along for hour number two. And in this hour, by the way, we're going to be discussing and exploring a couple of really big events that have taken place right at the beginning of the year. Uh, their press days have either happened or are going to be happening. One is the Consumer Electronics Show out in Lost Wages, or Las Vegas, as some people say. And the other one is our North American International Auto Show, all coming to Detroit soon. Hello, this is Foster Brown, along with Gary Baker, Ed Riddell, and Cal Carson, your hosts of the Internet Advisor, and it's our number two. I'm delighted to have you with us. By the way, don't forget that you can hear the entire two-hour program uh, regardless of what's broadcast live on WJR, you can hear the two hours of the Internet Advisor by going to internetadvisor.net and downloading the content there or to iTunes or to podcastdetroit.com. All that will be happening uh, roughly on Monday. 
when I edit the program and put it up there for you. And you can get to hear, for instance, from our first hour, Senator Gary Peters, who was talking about uh, some of the legislative challenges that we face. And really, the, it's more than just legislative challenges. The challenge for Michigan to really be on the cutting edge of the technology that's developing out there for cars. That's right. And and to encourage the federal government to designate our state, and in particular an area at Will Run Airport, right. uh, as our mobility center. And, um, and, and to beat out California, he came up with something that we have that's important to automotive <laughs> testing that California doesn't have, and that is snow and ice and really cold Except at higher elevations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm going, okay, only a politician could make snow and ice seem like a benefit. You know? <laughs> How do you think he got in office? <laughs> <laughs> looking uh, on the bright but side. He is looking out for the auto industry, and I, that's off to him. I've got to say, almost tongue-in-cheek, that he has chosen the one bipartisan thing that may work in this coming session after the inauguration of our new president. But we'll, we'll get to talk about more things like that right now, I however. I hope not, actually. <laughs> I, anyway, oh, I got you. But right now, we're also delighted to have with us somebody who is very familiar with two big events that um, one has taken place, just kind of officially starting, and the other one is going to be online very soon and is near and dear to our hearts. We're talking about Paul Eisenstein, who's with us, and Paul is the editor of the Detroit Bureau. Paul, welcome to the Internet Advisor. Good to be with you. Thank you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. And welcome back. Yes. You You have been on the road, I understand, from uh, Las Vegas. Yeah, I just got back last night. I'm sitting here slamming copy uh, at some of my advanced copy and everything else for the auto show coming up. So it's a jump from frying pan into fire. And a lot of the things I would imagine that you dealt with at uh, CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, really are tied very directly now with our North American International Auto Show. Well, it's very interesting to watch how how uh, the auto industry has changed in terms of how they show products to the media and to the world. It used to be that everything came out at auto shows, and a handful right. of those. Uh, a number of the, the classic car shows have all but drifted away. Chicago is barely a media event anymore. Oh. A couple of European shows have largely vanished. And uh, even Detroit which is still the number one show in North America, is fighting a little bit for, uh, for its primacy, if you will, as mm-hmm. a media event with, of all things, CES. A number of things mm-hmm. were launched there that you would have expected in the past to be, to be introduced here, uh, uh, primarily uh, Chrysler. Fiat Chrysler is oh, not yes. doing a news conference in Detroit. Really? Instead, no, isn't that a surprise? Uh, instead, they decided to launch their Chrysler portal, portal concept at CES, and, and not without good reason, by the way. This is a uh, very high-tech electric EV, uh, or I should say electric uh, uh, minivan concept, uh, all loaded up with all sorts of technology, including, including autonomous technology. So I can see where it fit in very well. And we saw a number of other vehicles debuting there rather than here. So, so I, I, you know, I'm, I'm wondering, do, do we have consumer products going into vehicles? Or is your vehicle going to be the biggest computer you've ever owned? Uh, you know, it's interesting you said that because uh, several of the executives I spoke out uh, spoke to out there, Mike O'Brien, one of the senior guys from Hyundai, uh, Carlos Ghosn, of course, the CEO of Nissan mm-hmm. and sure. Renault, and now Mitsubishi, 
talked about exactly that and said it's the lines are blurring between cars and high tech uh, and also car shows and high tech shows. Mm. Well, why is it that they chose CES for them, you know, for for launching, for drawing the public's attention or not the industry's attention, the world's attention to these things for cars rather than one of the premier car shows? Still doesn't well, make much sense. There's a couple of reasons why. Uh, and, and one of them has to do with, uh, with, with gaining attention. You, whenever you introduce a new product, you want to get as much, if you will, ink or digital ink or sure. airtime right. as possible. And you may recall that at one point we had 70 different products introduced at the Detroit Auto Show yeah. uh, in one year. I remember talking with Rod Alberts, who is the genius behind uh, turning the Detroit show from a regional to a, a true global show. And, and, and Rod asked me, are we introducing too many? And mm. I, had to, I had to say, you may be, uh, because one of the problems was for us as reporters, you simply run out of space, even if you're doing it online where you can essentially run as many pages as you sure, want. Sure. You, you have only so much time, and the reader has only so many things that they're going mm-hmm. to look at. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the automakers measure things very, very carefully, especially in the digital world, and they look and they say, I did this million-dollar investment at the Detroit Auto Show, and I got no page views, I got no, no ink, and so on. And that, that worries some of these guys. So uh, they're being much more careful these days about where they introduce things. Mm. In some cases, they say, this is a high-tech uh, product. It goes better at CES. And in some cases, yeah. they're doing things in non-auto show, you know, entirely mm-hmm. away from the auto show circuit. By the way, Paul Eisenstein is our guest here in this hour of the program. We're going to be focusing both on CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, and the North American International Auto Show in just a moment. Welcome back. It's the Internet Advisor, Foster Brown, Gary Baker, Edward L. and Kel Carson here. We're talking about... Uh, the Consumer Electronics Show and the North American International Auto Show and the way they're kind of blending together with Paul Eisenstein, who is the editor of the Detroit Bureau. Uh, Paul, first of all, give us a little bit of uh, an idea of what the Detroit Bureau is, because that's uh, something that you have developed in the, the recent years after covering the auto industry for many, many years. Well, actually, it started out as my news service, an independent news service, uh, which represents everybody from NBC News to The Economist uh, to some various NPR shows, of course, folks like yourself, uh, and quite a few others. And I've been doing that since 19... You ready for this? 1979. Oh, my. Yeah. And uh, I started my first Internet publication back in 1996, 20 years. My almost goodness. 21 now, which is, you know, uh, eternity. It's longer, you know, it's like ancient <laughs> Rome by... by web years, uh, and I sold that off a few years ago, launched the DetroitBureau.com about six years ago. So we, or is it seven? Jeez, I, I've lost my, my <laughs> sense of time. But we are the voice of the auto industry, we like to think of ourselves. Mm. We really try to cover it in depth rather than, oh, I hate to say it, so many folks online these days, it's three paragraphs and you're out of there. Yeah. And we try to yeah. give you a real in-depth coverage of what's happening. I appreciate that too, Paul, and that's why we have the pleasure of having you on with us. Could we step back and talk a little bit about CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, uh, just in general, some of the things that you saw there, and then we'll be getting into talking about looking ahead as well to the North American International Auto Show in just a little bit, but uh, what did... 
as I looked at the headlines coming on, and I don't know about you, you love gadgets as much as I do. Absolutely. It, it, it didn't seem like there was a whole lot to talk about in terms of gadgets. Or is that just, like a lot of it was, quote unquote, under the hood. Uh, you know, it's interesting. You're absolutely right. When it comes to a lot of the stuff that the Consumer Electronics Show was known for, televisions, mm-hmm. smartphones, laptops, even drones, uh, there true. wasn't an awful lot of news. They're, they're, they're bits and pieces. There's some really cool things here and there. You know, these high-tech ska- electric skateboards and what have you, uh, the next generation of HDR television sets. Uh, quantum dots was the, the buzzword we heard. Mm. But, uh, yeah, you're right. It wasn't as much there. Uh, the two areas where there seemed to be any real serious buzz, one was robotics. We're just starting to reach the point where people are coming up with robots that are cute and fun and may actually have uh, some functionality. I should add, uh, there were three areas. Another was we heard a lot about personal assistance. Uh, you know, I, I hate oh, yeah. to tell you how many Amazon Echoes I own. <laughs> and what's very interesting is that these personal assistants are now beginning to show up in other places. So you're going to see Alexa, the personal assistant tied to uh, the Amazon Echo, right. start showing up in appliances, and that leads me to the third area, into cars. So Ford announced mm. that they are integrating Alexa into oh. their sync system going forward. And... Just about every other automaker there talked about the virtual assistants they were going to create. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, oh, gosh, I'm, I'm getting them all confused. Hyundai had Hanna. Uh, Toyota had uh, one with, I, I hate to say it, a very Japanese name. Another manufacturer is introducing, uh, is moving Cortana. Uh, Nissan is going to work with Microsoft to take their assistant, Cortana, and move that into their cars. Yeah. We're going to have to get a list of names to see who we're talking to. So, so, Paul, I have to ask the question. Was there anyone there talking about getting all these girls together so they'll talk <laughs> to each other? Because right now they're all their own independent soror- sororities. Yeah, they, they are. Actually, I just read this morning that somebody has a, uh, has a, a website where they are tracking live a conversation between two of the Google personal assistants. <laughs> apparently, apparently, they are just having this endless conversation. Uh, at one point, uh, one proposed to the other. They declared <laughs> themselves married. The other one said, I want to marry you again, so it said, okay, we're divorced. (laughs) It eventually led them to explore the nature of God. One of them declared himself God. Oh, my Lord. And I guess you can track this live on the Internet. So this is all, and this is all um, independent of human intervention, right? This is all AI, essentially? Yeah. uh, (laughs) We are reaching the point. I'm going to get a little off the car subject for one second. But what's really interesting is we're approaching that that concept which has been out there for a while called the uncanny valley i don't know if you've ever talked about this before Uh, the uncanny valley is a concept that people talk about that will occur when you are literally unable to tell whether you are talking or working with a machine or a human being and uh, some of the theorists have said that it will actually cause a bit of a nervous stutter uh for humans when it happens, when you are trying to decide, am I talking to a human or a machine? As long as I can understand them, 
That's <laughs> I'm, I'm all for it. <laughs> well, you, you know what was interesting, Paul, is I saw a YouTube video about Watson Pepper. Have you heard about Pepper? No, I haven't. So Watson Pepper, Watson oh. is IBM's cognitive. Yeah, it's IBM's cognitive computing. Um, it's basically a cloud-based uh, program now. It's not. It's a, played it's, chess and, and well, it, yeah. it, it was. That's where it started, and it was kind of one computer. Well, and now it's it did, a series uh, of many. Jeopardy, if I remember correctly. That's right. Right. Yep. Right. So now what they've done is they partnered with SoftBank apparently over in Japan, and they have. They started out with a hundred peppers, Watson peppers, that were selling Nestle coffee machines. Um, they're now going to over a thousand uh, peppers that they're producing because what they found was that this little—it's um, a white R two D two. I mean, it looks oh, that's like, what pepper is. It, well, but he's tall. He's okay. don't 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 say six inches. He's four feet tall. Oh, okay. Right, and he walks around and in the store. And he entices people to come over, and yes. he tells them about the coffee machine. I no. saw that and, the other day. And, but if I remember correctly, it still has a little trouble with speech and voice recognition. So you still have to type on a keyboard. They're working on the on the speech side. That's not what I saw, and not what I heard. All right, I may so, be confusing that with another one, but I thought that was the case. So th- this apparently has gotten they the number of coffee machines it sells. Um, is way higher than the humans because they can read sentiment in a person's facial features and their voice. No um, and they don't miss. They do it right every time. Well, here's, and and that's and so they're selling them. And so what's happening is Nestle is investing in a lot of these. It's it's amazing, and it learns every time it has an interaction. It learns a little bit more about how to interact with the. Ed, next were you going to say something? Yeah, you know it's interesting you say this because we were at the Faraday Future preview. Uh, that's that. Oh, that's a new vehicle, right? The new that's electric that vehicle, high performance vehicle. By the way, an electric car. Forget forget this silliness that we we were coming to believe that electric vehicles were slow and not fun. This is a 1,050-horsepower supercar uh, called the FF91, capable of launching from 0 to 60 in 2.39 seconds, (laughs) which would make it the fastest production car in the world. Now, I say would because uh, they're having major problems, financial problems. They had to halt uh, the, the construction of their factory in uh, North Las Vegas. So a lot of people are skeptical that they will actually make it into production. If they do, it'll be pretty significant. It's not just the high performance. It's not just the 300 plus miles range per charge. But the vehicle also is designed to actually integrate seamlessly into everything you do. Uh, it is. Uh, it will have uh, multiple antennas, Wi-Fi. Uh, it will wow. have a learning engine on board. It will be able to recognize you using facial recognition and all sorts of other things and be able to, for example, set various vehicle settings, have the right music playing, and it will learn you. It will learn about you. So it will continue to get smarter and integrate, be able to yeah. talk to you and so on. And Faraday's not the only one. When we get back, if we have a minute, I'll tell yeah, you yeah. about one more. Okay, Smart okay. Assistant. That sounds like, was it Knight Rider? Was it Kit? Was the yep. name of the car? Knight Rider? <laughs> it could really be happening. Paul Eisenstein is our guest. We're kind of, uh, oh, exploring a strange universe out there. The Uncanny Valley with Paul Eisenstein here on the Internet Advisor. 
Welcome. It's the Internet Advisor, Foster Brown, Gary Baker, Ed Rudell, Cal Carson, and we're having a lot of fun with Paul Eisenstein, who is the editor of the Detroit Bureau. We're talking about CES, the Consumer Electronics Show. It's in Las Vegas. <laughs> Las Vegas. Lost wages or yeah. Las Vegas? Lost wages, yes. <laughs> Ed's, Ed's been out there quite a few times, and he's got a little grin on his face as he talks about Well, I just know how f- how spread out everything is down there. And so the first time we had Paul on the on the show, like four or five years ago, he, you know, and I, I felt a lot of pity for him that he was out in Las Vegas. Yeah, right. Oh, it's so <laughs> difficult to I went there I can't believe how spread out it is down there it's it just, is not fun no uh, I had to get from one hotel to another to cover a couple of events uh, I had to walk a quarter mile to get on the monorail no. you get off you have to walk through uh, if people don't understand yeah, the Taj Mahal let me <laughs> they, I, I had to get off at the M, the back of the MGM grand walk through it it's actually bigger than the town I live in the uh, the town of Pleasant Ridge oh my had cross Las Vegas Boulevard Walk another mile to get to the uh, to the hotel where they were holding that event. Walk through that hotel to the back. So it took me about an hour. Wow! So that's even almost with mass transit. That's almost ten thousand steps. Yeah, I got, <laughs> I got my exercise. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to go to the gym or walk on the treadmill now. Uh, Paul, when, oh, we, boy. when we were <laughs> just before we broke up, uh, I, w- I want to make sure that in the time that we have, we also talk look ahead a little bit at the North American International Auto Show. But uh, you were saying that there was another vehicle besides the was it the FF FF nine by Faraday. Am I right? Yeah. Uh, well, we were talking about the FF ninety one, which of course has a smart technology on board designed right. to learn you, learn about you, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, several of the other ones uh, out there. The other vehicles that we saw had these smart assistance on board. One that I got a kick out of, though, and I'll, t- I'll tell you real quickly before we get to uh, Nias, uh, that was the uh, Hannah smart assistant on board the, the little uh, New Wave, or New Nuvi, I think is how Honda pronounces its little two-seat ride-sharing vehicle. And oh. Hannah not only is designed to learn about you, but she's designed to recognize your moods through a whole bunch of things, probably <laughs> me cursing at the car in front of me. <laughs> and she is supposedly going to be capable of doing things like adjusting the mood lighting inside the vehicle, no. changing channels, doing all sorts of things, even, I think I they it. said, putting scents out uh, <laughs> to try to adjust Aromatherapy. Aromatherapy. There this you is go. wonderful. Yes. Oh, Wouldn't yes. that help with rush hour? Yeah, I can go to AutoZone and pick up a new canister of that, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> a little jazz, kind of cool, you, you know, calm you down. Exactly. I like this. Paul, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, let's look ahead then, if we could, in the time we have here. And I, I want to talk with you. We can get you back next week. We'll talk about some of the things that are going on in NIS at the North American International Auto Show as well. But if you could, now the press days are going to be starting on Sunday, I believe. Yeah, they start days. more or less tomorrow. Yeah. Okay, January the tomorrow, 8th. Sunday. Yep. Okay. Yes. And right. um, and then it's, then uh, supplier days are after that, and then we have right. the big the, the big day. Preview. I should, the big day, I should say, will be on Monday. That's when all the the mm-hmm. cars are shown. There'll be technology. We'll have a lot of sneak peeks on Sunday evening, tomorrow evening. At, at all the uh, uh, a lot of the makers, GMC, Mercedes Benz, and like, will bring us in. We'll be embargoed, and when we can talk about things, the big press day is is going to be on Monday. Right, right. I remember the Cal. Go ahead, hey, Paul. Who's supposed to be the big one that's supposed to bring the big surprise this year to the show? Well, uh, Ford is about the only one that has been very, very secretive about it. Uh, there's Gok, uh, Guangzhou. 
Automotive Corporation out of China, uh, which has not given us full details on what they're bringing out. And uh, I, I think there may be one or two surprises. One that a lot of us are looking forward to is going to be seeing the Volkswagen ID. Uh, which is the next concept vehicle in this new line of electrics that they bring out. It's apparently going to be an electric version of their old microbus, and it suggests mm. that they might actually bring the the old microvan back, but C- battery powered, com- complete with uh, peace sign and everything. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Paul, what do you think is going to be the impact? No, I mean everybody and. All the political processes are kind of, you know, holding their breath, waiting for the new president-elect to come in. Have you heard um, any kind of rumblings in terms of preparing for the new administration when you were at CES and now looking forward to NIS? Oh, yeah. Uh, All the automakers are trying to figure out how much is just optics and how much is real in his tweet war with the various automakers. You know, he took on Toyota this last week and before that General Motors and before that uh, Ford Motor Company. And Ford, as you know, got uh, a lot of press this past week because they announced that they were canceling plans to build a $1.6 billion factory down in Posito in Mexico. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have to tell you that a lot of the coverage was very wrong. How so? A lot of the news coverage was very wrong. Uh, To tell you the truth... The decision to cancel that plant had absolutely zip, nada, nothing to do with Donald Trump. Hmm. I, I have been outlining the details on the site. It turned out Ford started, you know, Ford planned to move their small car production to Mexico, primarily the Ford Focus. Right. Uh, the then-candidate Trump got on his high horse, started talking about that, warning about big tariffs and so on, and saying he was going to force Ford to bring it back. Well, Ford wound up doing some number crunching, and as you know, the market is going to SUVs, mm-hmm. crossovers, right. and trucks, not, right. to, not to passenger cars. Ford realized they don't have enough volume on focus, and they won't, to support that plant. So what they're going to do is they're killing that plant, a billion six savings, moving production of the focus to another Mexican plant, not bringing it back to the U.S. That got lost in a lot of the coverage. They're still going to build it in Mexico, just move it into the Hermosillo plant and spend a lot less money to do it. Now they got some savings, they, which some of which they're going to use to pay for the production of electric vehicles at the Flat Rock plant here in Michigan. Oh, okay. However, they were going to do that in the U.S. anyway, probably at the Flat Rock plant anyway. And, and so we're clear, the plans for cutting the Mexican plant were already in place before the election when everybody thought, seemed to think that Hillary was going to win, and the board voted on it almost right after the election, so they had all the paperwork in place, so the board approved that really before everything was was in place. So that was not a response to Trump. It was a response mm. to simple economics. Yeah. It didn't make sense to move that to move that into a new plant. They're still going ahead. They're still building the focus in Mexico. Mm. Ed, uh, I got two things. First, is anyone going to, when he takes office, are they going to delete, get rid of his uh, Twitter account, first of all? <laughs> <laughs> no. And the other thing, because I remember they took uh, Barack Obama's Blackberry away from him mm. when he came into office because he was like addicted to it. And the second thing was, I mean, 
is these large vehicles, they're the most profitable for the automotive companies, but as soon as gas starts getting around 350 again, which, you know, that that's probably not too far around the corner. I mean, that, that could happen on, on a whim. Um, yeah. Aren't yeah. smart call, small cars going to become popular once again? Unless you start seeing 5 and $6 a gallon gas. I don't think so. Okay. Here's, the, here's what's happened. The gas prices, uh, sure, have helped push uh, big, big utes and the like. But what has also helped is that utes have now become more car-like. You know, they're crossovers more than traditional truck-based vehicles. And if you look at their fuel economy, in many cases, they're getting almost the same as the car-like vehicles that they're replacing. Uh, The Honda, uh, what do they call it, the Fit uh, versus, uh, oh, why am I drawing a blank on the name? They're they're small, uh, the uh, HRX. Mm-hmm. Uh, the HRX gets virtually identical fuel economy to the Honda Fit, and this is the same across the board. Uh, so you're not really sacrificing fuel economy anymore. So people are saying, well, fine, I may downsize my ute, but I'll stay with a ute rather than going back to a sedan. Yeah. I've, over, I, 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 I've got to ask, why are people getting these big pickups? I mean, big honking pickups. I want to see over the vehicle in front of me. Because they, they have really cute and attractive leases that they're given for those vehicles oh, okay. and people who are taking advantage so of them. It's, 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 you get a great reason. deal on yeah. it. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's one reason, but the fact is a lot of people just like pickups. They like that whole uh, Being big image. and above traffic and, you know, get out of my way yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> oh, you know, and you see when you're driving something small and you see an F- 250, a Super Duty, coming back up on you in a rearview <laughs> yes. mirror, yeah. you're moving out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm envious of, yes, definitely. Uh, uh, <laughs> so that, that's some of the things that are coming up. Uh, uh, anything particularly near and dear to your heart, uh, Paul, we wrap up on this as we're uh, looking forward to the North American International All Show. Any particular vehicles that have kind of, uh, you know, plucked the strings of your heart and you said, I really, really would like one of them? Well, the Audi Q8 concept, which is basically, again, an, ep- uh, an example of how things are changing. Their old uh, Audi uh, 8 series, I'm sorry, the uh, A8 was their flagship. Well, now they have a Q8 concept, which will become their new SUV flagship. Uh, we're going to see this Concept X2, which is sort of uh, halfway between a BMW sedan and a crossover. Uh, we're going to be watching for all the creativity that comes as automakers try to redefine what they're all about. So there's a lot of cool things. Though I'm glad, I've got to tell you before we wrap up, I am really glad that at least a few traditional passenger cars are there, including one I'm really looking forward to. From Kia, of all people, their first ever sports car called the Stinger. Ooh, well, Paul, we're going to check with you next week about that when you've had a chance to be on the floor there and maybe get a chance to sit in it as well. Paul Eisenstein from the Detroit Bureau, we look forward to having you to talk more about this later on. Well, here we are at the very beginning of the year, and uh, we have, of course, our crew in studio here. But, you know, Cal, we're going to have to be, we're going to be saying goodbye to you for a little while because... You, you didn't have enough of the cold and the ice. <laughs> You're going to dedicate yourself to uh, freezing to death. 
You know, I I feel a lot better because considering the people I'm going to be watching will be in a little skimpy dress. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> it's kind of rough. Yeah, but on ice skates, come on. Yeah, they, they are really, really, really robust uh, uh, athletes, uh, both uh, women and and men who get out on the ice and that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah. We should tell them what we're You're talking going about. North here. Dakota? Where I'm, in North Dakota? I'm going to be going to Grand Forks, North Dakota, which is about an hour and a half north of Fargo. <laughs> now, how, what's the temperature there today? Right now, it's a balmy th- minus three. three. Oh, well, it was God. minus 17 there a few days ago. Tonight, oh, it'll be a balmy minus 15. <laughs> And this is just December. I'll be there. I mean, this is just January. You're going to step into the auditorium to warm up. Oh yeah, it, it, the facility I'm going to is absolutely beautiful. It's it, it's it, it's a it's probably the uh, uh, the best looking ice arena ever created. Now, to clarify, you're not a skater. No, you're an I, auditor, right? I am a, a technical accountant with the United States Figure Skating uh, Association, and I basically go in and set up the systems that the judges and the technical panel uses to be able to uh, do the scoring for the Mm -hmm. teams that are going to be skating. And we also tie in the video recording with that as well. We do feeds to the network whenever they're doing uh, broadcast, and we also uh, send signal up to the Jumbotron as well. Wow, fascinating. Now, uh, one of the things we wanted you to do uh, before you head out of town here, uh, and it, it is looking, it's casting our eyes away further down the road than some of the events we've been talking about here, is that tax season yeah. is going to be coming upon us. As people are gathering their records together for right now, what kind of, you had some ideas or some advice for people on how to prepare for tax season. Well, see, it all depends on which way you're going. Now, if you're going to have someone prepare them for you, then you can probably just go ahead and pick up a cup of coffee and just listen to the rest of the show. Well, and, and then make sure you have your shoebox in order, right? Exactly. Okay. <laughs> and then, now, for the rest of you, the ones who like to say, hey, let me get that software and do it myself, uh, I, I just suggested a bunch of things that you do in advance. Number one, make sure that your computer's up to snuff and it's working the way that you want it to do. Make sure you have enough memory in it. Make sure you have enough hard drive space in it. Make sure that uh, you have your uh, antivirus software especially uh, antivirus and malware software up to date and check the computer out because the last thing you want to do is start doing your tax return, which has a plethora of information in it that thieves, that identity thieves absolutely love to have. Drooling over. Yes. So you want to make sure you have that locked up pretty good. Then, of course, get your software from a reputable company that you want to, you know, mm-hmm. prepare your tax software with. Um, take advantage of a lot of things that you can get wh- when you're doing that. Uh, some software companies have tie-ins with payroll companies that have tie-ins with your employer so that you don't even uh. have to key in that W-2 and make an error. You can just click, go to that site. It pulls all the information down oh, right. and puts it right into your tax return. So you want to take advantage of things like that. Automating that process Mm -hmm. saves having errors. Yeah. I had an error one time. Yeah, that that cost me about a thousand bucks. Ouch. (laughs) Ouch. Ouch. Do you, I'm just curious of the people in the studio here, how many use a a software package to do your, your, um, your taxes? I have not done a paper return since 1994. Okay, I uh, so you, I, you, uh, I use I use TurboTax. I've been using it for years. I mean, I've switched before. That's the other one. H and R Block has a, a digital right. one that you can purchase. Right. Yeah, QuickBooks. I think QuickBooks also does. Yeah, um, it's pretty hard not to go th- 
with TurboTax, though. Yeah, right. it is. It is so, so easy. And, and you can also get their free version. So yep. they have an online version. If if you have very simple taxes or a yep. minimum wage person, right. you can go to TurboTax.com forward slash free and take advantage of their free. That's something they've offered for a couple of years. No, that's good to know because, for instance, somebody like myself is a senior citizen. I've got uh, 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 basically Social Security and uh, very few other things to do. So I, I don't need a very complicated tax return. And for years, I just kind of out of fear of doing something wrong, I handed it off to some good people who did a, got a great job of, uh, of uh, doing my tax return for me, only to find out afterwards my daughters finally said, Dad, you got to simply get TurboTax. Right. It's so simple. And it has been just yeah. remarkably and, and, simple. And what I've done is I've, done, I've purchased TurboTax, and then I, I've either encouraged my children to go to the TurboTax free or... I turn over my computer to them and start a new return, and they could file with my TurboTax. That's true. My one of my daughters uh, did that for me one upon a time. One thing I want to bring up, uh, Kel, and and guys in general, I read this sad, sad story about uh, an elderly woman who was uh, um, fooled into thinking that she had been approached by the IRS, and this was a scam out of India. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the call centers there mm-hmm. is was geared up at this particular time of year to prey on, and particularly the elderly. Yep. And they ended up wiping out about fifteen thousand dollars worth of her money. And and a lot of it was, you know, that they first of all started with somebody scared the daylights out of her. Yep. She happened to be an immigrant from India, and uh, they played all the strings that they possibly could and walked away with fifteen thousand dollars. Now, what about the last year and the year before? We've talked. To, uh, we've heard people talk about file your taxes early because you don't want someone else to file on your behalf if they've got your information okay. that was okay. online. So, I mean, what do you I, think I, that? I, well, the way it works is quite clearly uh, the IRS will take any tax return that's transmitted to them via whatever means that you know, whether whatever authorized means that it is. Once that social security number as the primary taxpayer hits the system for that tax year, that tax uh, is now closed. And so, therefore, mm. uh, if you if I file it with your tax number. Mm-hmm. And then two weeks later, you decide to do your actual return and file it. They're going to reject it and saying that fi- that return's already been filed, and wow. you need to prove. There's no recourse. Yes, there is. You need to prove who you are, right. and that is your return that you're filing. You will file that return. They'll walk it through the paper process, take the, go through the time to do it because they won't take it electronically. And then after they check it out and they make sure that in fact that you are you and mm-hmm. you did not file that other one. Then, if you have a refund coming, they will refund it to you. Of that, course, if you owe money, they're going to take it right off the bat, and they'll be just as happy anyway. Well, that's good to know. That's good to know. Now, dude, so do you agree, guys, with the the notion of filing early you as know, a way of of of, of of beating the scam artists that are out there? That, well, you know, well, I'm I'm in a mixed <laughs> I'm in a mixed mode about that because I'm going to tell you I have never for the last ten years I haven't filed my tax early at all. I've always filed an extension. And so I usually end up filing mine in October. But uh, that is one way of fighting that particular type situation by getting it in early. Well, most of us get a refund. Why in the heck don't you want your money sooner rather than later? Sure, obviously. And when you think of the hassle, if somebody does uh, beat you to collecting your refund instead of you, um, that's just another reason to file early. 
Yeah. Okay. So do you you file early? I file as soon as I get all my information. Same the end here. of yeah. end of January. Yeah. Get right. My, get my money right. by and and if you file online, you can get your uh, your direct deposit into your account within a week or so. Mm-hmm. Ed, you too. I always file early, but you know my father always files extensions regularly for the last twenty years. I do, and that's what his financial advisors recommend. Mm. You know, because he's retired. He's been retired from Ford since 83. And yeah. that's something that they've always encouraged him to do. A little more, there's more of a risk now, though, involved in that. Well, no, no. Uh, it, there's really not any more risk. It's more tax preparation fees. But it, it all depends oh, on what you want to do. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah. <laughs> well, Cal, safe travels to you. We'll look forward to having you back in here in the... March Madness, I guess, will be when you will return to us. Well, I might make a segue in here through it sometime in February. Well, I certainly hope so. Cal Carson on his way to the frozen north to uh, help with the uh, figure skating. And uh, Ed, we look forward to having you back in studio with us this coming week. And Gary, you as well. Yep. We're going to be talking be with Rick Broida. Our gadget guy is coming back from a CES, the Consumer Electronics Show. We'll get some of the inside scoop from him on the gadgets on the floor. And then Paul Eisenstein from the Detroit Bureau will be back after the first week, the press week here of the North American International Auto Show. For the rest of you, have a great week. You've been listening to the Internet Advisor Show, Detroit's longest-running, locally-produced computer show, with Foster Brown, Gary Baker, and our team of experts. For more information about our weekly show, to ask a question of our experts, or find the show notes for this podcast, visit internetadvisor.net. And look for us on Facebook and Twitter. Don't forget to check the other great podcasts available on this podcastdetroit.com network. Thank you for listening.